1: We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, scrolling,
0: scrolling, and you're never going to stop, then please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh, please, oh,
2: please, oh, please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh, please, oh, please don't let this <laughs> flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop.
0: A podcast about TikTok brought to you by Rolling Stone. So if you need any more proof that time is a flat circle in this day and age, um, we have a little bit of a blast from the past for you, Mm -hmm. which is the official return of Couch Guy. (laughs) Dun-dun! Couch Guy, uh, if, if you don't remember, although it was like a month ago. So if you listen to this podcast, then you almost certainly remember. Um, he is a guy named Robbie. Um, his full name is Robert McCoy. He's a college student and he was dating this girl named Lauren. And Lauren made a very cute kind of cringe video surprising her boyfriend in college. And immediately it gets torn to shreds by the armchair detectives of TikTok. <laughs> by the way, that's a couch pun. I don't know if you if you caught that, <laughs> but I was very proud of myself. I appreciated I, it. when I Because, you know, couches have arms, Yes. And a couch is technically a chair.
2: Yeah. And they're saying on their couch is detective-ing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it works on multiple. (laughs) 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 I was really proud of myself. Um, Of TikTok. um, And and they're, they're trying to figure out whether or not he's cheating you know, by his reaction, by the body language, by the presence of other women in the video. There's, you know, people who think they see a phone and one of the women sitting next to him on the couch is passing him the phone. And they're like, why did the woman have the phone? Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the couch guy hashtag has more than one billion views, billion, Mm -hmm. billion with a B. That's how much this blew up. And at the time, Couch Guy didn't really explicitly speak out about it. His girlfriend made some videos.
2: Yeah. Um, that she made he, some, like, duet video or not duet videos, but, like, videos with him where they did, like, dances and kind of tried to show that they were um, a couple and close.
0: Yeah. he. I, I thought that they handled it pretty well. Yeah. Um, that, you know, basically shooting down haters, saying that they're fine and trying to laugh it off. Um, you know, they handled it as best they could.
2: Yeah. But it kind his of just friend, inflamed people. His friend also participated, like he his friend hopped on TikTok too like one of the guys that was in the video um to like support them. But yeah, I think that also again, like you said everyone sort of started to read into all that other stuff too and like, you know, be like, okay, like what is that? What do those videos mean?
0: Yeah, and he specifically got a lot of the harassment. I mean, she did yeah. she did too. A lot of people were like calling her stupid and you know yeah. like like fooling herself but he specifically probably got the most of it because people were accusing him of like gaslighting her yeah um which was kind of cra- i mean you can say that about like people on social media tend to say that about like basically anybody who says something that they disagree with yeah like oh you're gaslighting me um and it's kind of just like a you know uh a, a, a boilerplate reaction um, yeah, for for people on the Internet. But and there was really no good way for him to win. Um, but I think this essay that he wrote for Slate, I mean, what was really interesting about this phenomenon to me, at least at the time that it was going on. And we talked about this during the Couch Guy episode was how it really sort of crystallized just how easy it is for, you know, private citizens to go viral for doing nothing like like not for, you know, doing do, participating in some sort of attention getting stunt. or, um, you know, doing something, you know, really notorious. Literally, literally all this guy did was sit on a couch and give his girlfriend a hug when she came to surprise him. And it invited all this scrutiny that he just did not ask for. And this is what he writes about in the essay. Um, While the couch guy meme was lighthearted on its surface, it turned menacing as TikTok users obsessively invaded the lives of Lauren, our friends, and me. People with no previous desire for internet fame, let alone infamy would-be sleuths conducted what Trevor Noah jokingly called the most intense forensic investigation since the Kennedy assassination. And he also took particular umbrage. He specifically calls out this women's health, art- or I think it's women's health, article where- that dissected his body language in the video. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was funny because we did exactly the same thing on the body.
2: <laughs> but, like, our body language expert was, like, very, um, like, pro this couple. Like, she didn't have any sort of, um critique of of his particular body language she was more critiquing his friend's body language
0: yeah i god bless tracy because tracy looks yeah. like really really mm. chill about it we need to get our her queen tracy here. yeah yeah actually the best person i've ever met yeah but anyway it's a good piece and everyone should read it and and he talks about something that we've discussed quite a bit on here which is tiktok kind of turning armchair sleuthing into a competitive sport and what impact it has on the lives of private citizens um, Mm -hmm. who are not celebrities. You know, they didn't sign up for this. Like, you could argue that, you know, by virtue of being on the app and making this video, his girlfriend, you know, was, you know, opened herself up to this. But honestly, like, I don't know. I mean, there are billions of people on the app. Like, it's kind of a specious argument.
2: Um, And I mean, the way that TikTok works is, like, it creates this spider web, right? Like, it's so easy to... Um, like it's built in when you watch a video where you can immediately do edit or like stitch the video with a new video, or like you know creating replies to comments, even you know you can like build this web of things that are a new universe around a certain video, and that's just the way a lot of content is spread like you know you have you see one video that's viral and then the next day you're seeing a video that's like. Um, making fun of that viral video or like responding to it or reacting to it. And that's just the way that TikTok functions. And so, like you said, like the way that people who are private citizens can post something that's very innocuous, very simple, very, you know, just a quick reunion video can suddenly just like spin out of control because the way that the app functions is that you're supposed to be responding and kind of creating more content that's either mimicking or in conversation with the original content.
0: Yeah, and and it reminds me a lot of, and he mentions this in his piece, um, Sabrina Prater, who is this trans woman who went viral sort of very accidentally on the app. She's sort of dancing in like this dilapidated house and her appearance is a little eccentric. And at first people were just kind of like making fun of her background and like her physical background and, yeah. and like the way she, and and it was definitely like not nice, but it wasn't like, what it would turn into, which was people yeah. speculating that she was a serial, ki- a serial killer based on, you know, stains on the floor, like water stains they were saying were blood stains or like she had a computer monitor behind her with faces on it. And she said, and people were saying, Oh, it's, you know, her victims in the basement. It was really awful, really classes, really transphobic. Yeah. It spun out of control. She was really upset. She got doxed. Um, and it just, it seems to me like there's something about TikTok that's that sort of, you know, it that has this kind of bullying kind of built into it in a yeah. way because of what you were saying earlier that you're so encouraged to engage with this yeah. content that, you know, is going viral and not necessarily for good reasons, like not necessarily for positive, like, oh, let's support people reasons, but, you know, because people are piling on and making people's lives miserable. Yeah. And I think TikTok really has to reckon with that.
2: Yeah. It's the true crimeification of the internet generally. Like, I feel like there is like everyone suddenly thinks that they have the tools to, and I mean, we do at some, on some level have a lot of the tools, right? To like really heavily research something and like yeah. really dig into things because the internet makes that possible. So
0: the ultimate question, <laughs> and now I'm sort of leaning into the forensic, the armchair sleuth <laughs> forensic aspect of this. Do you think they're still
2: together? I mean, I think so. I don't know. I didn't really look at their tic- uh, like her TikTok again. To see if there's any more content. He
0: says my which girlfriend. I have. He says yeah. so. I'm implying, you know, it's present tense. He doesn't yeah. say my ex-girlfriend. But if he had said my ex-girlfriend, I feel like that would have been the story, you know, like not yeah. this guy. I
2: wrote- feel like it would have been a much different tone. About, yeah. Cause I think if they had broken up, it probably would have been um, you know, related to everything that happened. Cause that's a lot of pressure on a couple. Like you all of a sudden have Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people speculating I've I do a lot of interviews with pop stars who have dealt with a lot of similar thing, where they like have people speculating their relationship so much that it ends up ruining the relationship that they have. Like that can kind of be a downfall of it. And so I feel like, especially if you're a privacy and who doesn't have to deal with that on a grander level, like I would assume that if they had broken up, that would be the reason, and that the piece would have been a very different piece.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like, that kind of stress would break any couple. And this is aspirational, honestly. Like, they, yeah. I am blown away by how mature
2: <laughs> these 20
0: yeah. year olds have been, you know, under all yeah. the scrutiny that they've been able to stay together of, like, throughout yeah. all this.
2: Yeah. So, cheers to them. And a couple that did not stay together, Aww. and my heart is broken, is one of my favorite couples. The silly band CEO, Robert Croak, and his much younger influencer girlfriend, Sophia, they are no longer together.
0: I am shocked I did not know about these people. This yeah. is absolutely like on brand for me <laughs> to care deeply about these people. <laughs> I'm so when surprised you told me. I didn't
2: know about this. So this broke around 2019. And around that time, they had already been together for close to a year. So they started dating like maybe late 2018. And so it's Sophia Sapillo and Robert Croak. And to kind of catch you up on how they start dating, basically he slid into her DMs thinking that she was his friend's niece, which is already like weird. I don't, it, I don't understand the context of it. Um, it's already kind of gross. Are you,
0: are you my, fr- are you, are you Don's niece? <laughs> it's,
2: so, hey, it's so strange. Comma, are you Don's niece? It's, it's so gross. It's so weird. And so, they basically started talking, and eventually, like, uh, there's like a New York Post article who's he like he's really attracted to her ambition, and they eventually started boning. And by the time that the New York Post started covering them, and all the you know, Daily Mail and kind of the typical sort of like, you know, here is like a strange age gap couple, um, you know, outlets that they were about to, they wanted to get married. They like were ready to like, um, you know, move to the next step of their relationship and. It was a huge jackpot for Sophia, who at the time was an Instagram influencer and also 25 years younger than Robert. I think she was 27 when the news broke of them dating, and he was, like, 50, I guess, like, 52, 53. And he's also a multimillionaire who founded the company that created Silly Bands, which, uh, did you have a lot of Silly Bands?
0: No, I feel like I just missed that trend.
2: Okay, so Silly Bands were essentially these, like, like, really just... I don't know they were kind of cheap like these like really kind of like cheapishly made like neon colored rubber band type bracelets but were they, they in were, different shapes they were in different shapes yeah, and okay, then you put I them remember. on your hand and you would wear like a million of them at once this was like peak bracelet trend mm-hmm. of the 2000s where like you just wore like a 1000000 multicolored bracelets was it around um, the sex
0: bracelets like
2: uh panic it was time? around that time yeah mm-hmm. and I don't I don't remember if Silly Bands had, like, a sex bracelet angle to them at all, but they they were very popular. So mm-hmm. people just—you would buy, like—I think they came in, like, multi-packs, where you would just, like, buy them kind of, like, trading cards, where there was, like, a, like, a bunch of Silly Bands in a pack, and then you would just wear them all.
0: And that's it how this stupid. guy made his money? Like, all of his money off of this trend?
2: I, I think he—like, he owns, like, a larger company that, like, created them, so I'm sure he has— money from other dumb business ventures in the way that multimillionaires do, but Mm -hmm. he's still very rich. So it's not like silly bands are no longer popular. This man is still a multimillionaire. Wow. She hit the jackpot. Yeah. So they garnered a fun amount of media attention and they were well covered about the relationship. Um, She was very against him being her sugar daddy. Like they were very much in love. They talked about it all the time. They cared about each other. And a part that made it, Even bigger was the fact that she made a lot of TikToks. And all of her TikToks were together and extremely horny. A lot of TikToks about how, like, he's, like, dominant, stuff like that. Like, just, like, about, you know, how much they, like, love each other. Just, like, really, I mean, just some really gross stuff. And, you know, good for them. But, like, also... Keep it away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He thought you were his friend's niece before. But (laughs) in a surprise twist, Sophia made a rather big announcement in the TikTok that announced that they were breaking up, which is that she's gay. Which good for her. I'll never take it for granted.
0: But I've got to choose my truth. I'm gay. I'm gay,
2: and I can't change it. I can't change it anymore. Good for her. And... She followed it up with a bunch of videos, a lot of them, like, very kind of, like, beepy and, you know, emotional, that she kind of continues to refute the idea that her relationship with Robert was fake. And they were together for a few years. Like, this was, you know, she's now in her early 30s. Like, they were together for a few years. They lasted through the pandemic. They still made a lot of content together. Um, And she also kind of refuted people accusing her of kind of faking it with Robert and knowing that she was gay the whole time. Um, which, you know, makes sense. I feel like that's like a thing that happens with people is like they kind of don't fully realize how they identify. And then it takes some time for them to mature into the identity and kind of realize who they are. But they had a nice few years. She, you know, has had a, a nice time with Robert and now they're no longer. And she is a lesbian. So congrats to her.
0: The whole, the, My whole sentiment with all of this is good for her. Yeah. Good, good for her. Um, and that sort of applies to, you know, the other sugar baby did that trend that is going around on TikTok is do you remember that um, Jean LeJoie song? Show me your genitals. It's super old.
1: Women are stupid and I don't respect them. That's right.
2: I just have sex with them. Show me your genitals.
0: Uh, the audio has been edited to it's the song starts with women are stupid and I don't respect them. And now it's men are stupid and I don't respect them. And it's largely sugar babies using this audio to show off how much they make doing no work. And one of them is this lady saying um, just got done earning six months rent in one video chat where I just agreed with everything he said and laughed a lot. Another says me booking a vacation paid for entirely by men online who I've never met and never will. And it's super interesting to me um, as someone who's covered sex work For a while, because on TikTok, there is a lot of backlash against sex workers. I don't know if you've seen this um, a ton on your For You page or in the comments, but a lot of people on TikTok say that women on the app are glamorizing sugar dating for teenage girls. And they get get really mad at sex workers just for being on there because there's, there's this idea that TikTok is, you know, quote unquote, just for children, even though obviously it's so mainstream that, you know, it's for everyone now. It's not it's obviously not just for children. And I've talked to a lot of sex workers on the app who say that they get a lot of hate on there and they get accused of, like, grooming kids uh, for the industry for that reason, which is obviously bullshit. I mean, just because you're going on an app, like, you're going on social media showing off how you make money doesn't mean that you're trying to indoctrinate younger women into joining the industry.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I, I mean, I'm not surprised by any of that at all. Like we've seen the way that sex workers are treated on every single social media platform. So yeah. it does not surprise me that it's just as bad, if not maybe worse on TikTok because of that. But I feel like when I've sort of, when I've gotten a lot of content from sex workers on my For You page, it's been sort of like resource sharing between everyone. And that's kind of always nice to see. And I feel like, again, it's like one of those things where, um... You know, it's, like, educational in a way that I feel like a lot of people wish they had had before they had entered sex work and sort of had that. I don't know. But, again, like, it can be inferred a different way by people who are more conservative and, like, don't want to look at the reality that for a lot of people this is the primary way that they can and are able to make money. But, um, you know...
0: Yeah, that's definitely the yeah. intention behind a lot of this content, I think, is is educational. Or even, yeah. you know, just like light this trend in particular, like lightly poking fun at your clients, like in in a pretty honestly innocuous way. Yeah. And um, but people interpret it as glamorizing sugar dating. And I mean, I, I have mixed feelings about this because, yeah. you know, I I know a lot of people who've done sugar dating, and um it's not really it's, you know, in reality, it's a lot more taxing, I think, mm-hmm. than, you know, both emotionally. There's, there's a lot of emotional labor involved. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I think it's more taxing than these women are portraying it. So, yeah, I mean, to an extent, it is glamorizing it. But yeah, but I I think it's even it's less about glamorizing sex work to me and more about glamorizing the idea of doing little to no work for pay, which I think is more about like denouncing hustle culture in general, like right. with everybody obsessed with putting in. People like, are tired. Yeah, people are tired. They don't want to fucking work. And, but I, I mean, I, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, in the context of sort of taking a stand against hustle culture and this valorization of like, oh, you have to put in twenty-five hour days in order to like get anywhere, like. I I love the idea that um, I and I don't want to get into like, you know, so, like uh, anti-capitalist theory or anything. But like, yeah. I mean, I certainly have the sugar of baby fantasy all the time. For Every day. Reason.
2: Yeah. Even though Every I'm far too old. Why do, you, why do you think I'm on Raya? <laughs> I said <laughs> that you? age to 50 up. That age is at 50 up. Your age is at 50 up. I thought you well, said. On a, my, I, thought I you mean, it's a like a on it. I mean it's lower than that. But I mean like I made sure that it also went up beyond fifty.
0: Girl, I think you should raise it higher.
2: Can you cap you can, it you can, can only you cap get, it at like ninety? You can only go to fifty five plus. Like, but then it just yeah, ca- it's you know, everyone above fifty five.
0: Are you getting like, um are there a lot of fifty five plus dudes on there? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. What are they? Like like venture capitalists? Like are they actually yeah. Oh my
2: god. <laughs> You're
1: so lucky. <laughs>
2: So, I'll see you next year in <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't where know. Where do rich people go? That? You should probably that on
0: like, our employer's podcast. Like, you're effectively <laughs>
2: putting in your notice. <laughs> <laughs> I you know? mean, I have yet to go on a date with a 55 plus rich man from Riot. So, we'll see. I'm holding, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for you. When I do, it's a wrap. It's Dianora. Yeah no one husband. will hear from me. I'm deleting my entire internet presence. I'm going to have a <laughs> nice life. <laughs> I
0: mean, that's a dream, right? That's a Once dream. Once my
2: student loans are paid off, it's a wrap for me. See you guys never. I'll text you from where do rich people have vacation.
0: Oh, I've begged my husband to let me get a sugar baby, the sugar daddy many times. Cause I'll get, I'll get men. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten these messages too, just by virtue of being like a woman on the internet yeah. who slide into your DMS and they're like. Hey, sweetie, like, I'll give you money for doing nothing. Just ignore me.
2: And I'm sure. They're my- all fake, though. They're all know, fake. My friend responds to all I know, but I hold out hope. <laughs> I have a friend who, like, responds to all of them, like, every time she gets one. And she will keep talking to them. But then it's always a scam. Just hoping that one day that one How does one she know it's a scam? Real-
0: like, what's the scam? Well, no, like, she's not well, paying any
2: money. Well, basically, like, they start asking her for a lot of info. Like, they're, like, basically trying to, like, get her information. Like, they're trying to, like, pull her, like, they're trying to scam her. Oh, my God. That's so or, evil. like, they, like, want to, like, FaceTime too much. And she's like, no, like, here's my cash app. Just send the money. If you want to FaceTime me, that costs money. Like, just, like, stuff like that. And, like, they never do. And so all the Instagram and Twitter ones, most of them are kind of fake. And she'll, like, I'll, you know, there's, like, those Twitter accounts where it's, um like, sugar daddies who are, like, you know, just, like, reply with your cash app and I'll send you $50. Mm-hmm. Also, never, they never send the money.
0: That's so, that's the cruelest thing I've ever heard is exploiting tired women's desire not to work. Oh, we're so tired. We're so fucking tired. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Although I guess that's not technique. It's just like young women.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good theme. A lot of little age gap theme. So obviously I talk about Taylor Swift all the time on this podcast, but I get a lot of Taylor Swift content. And a lot of it has been Jake Gyllenhaal being roasted by every single person for dating Taylor Swift and breaking her heart when she was 20 years old and he was 30. But that has also made way for a lot of people to drag other former, beloved child actors turned prestige actors. And one of them has been Leonardo DiCaprio. And he is the subject of a song that I'm obsessed with by 25-year-old singer Natalie Burdick. Um, And she basically made a song about how she's in her final Leo year. I'm in my
0: final Leo year. Next summer's 26.
1: DiCaprio, please notice me so we can have 214 days of
0: bliss. I love this song.
2: It, the song is so good. And it's one of those things where it's been pretty well documented. Like there are full on graphs online, articles written, everything about how Leo and his girlfriends tend to part ways by the time that they turn 26. So he's, he starts to date girls around the time that they turn 20. And then by the time they're 26, the relationship is typically over, unless it's Rihanna, who I think he dated when she was over 26. But she's Rihanna. That's an exception to everyone. Um, So in the midst of this iconic dragging of the 47-year-old actor, she also kind of shoots her shot. Like she's, you know, she's trying to date Leo in her final Leo year, which I think is a very respectable thing to do. But unfortunately for Natalie, he's been dating a 24-year-old actress named Camila Marone for the last four years. And so that will probably end by the time that Natalie is already 26 because Camila will not be turning 26 until much later.
0: What were you doing so. in your final Leo year?
2: Hmm. How did you I spend your last Leo year? I think I was dating a comedian, which is dark. I that is have dark. I should been dating Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Exactly. That's, that's what this song fills me with so much nostalgia for yeah. my final Leo. I was in a relationship with my now husband and... Do I want to say I regret that and the beautiful life and family that we've built together? No. But do you, do I regret not having spent my final Leo
2: year dating no. Leo? Yeah, a little bit. I, I definitely regret dating a comedian in my final me- Leo year. Like, what was that? That's such a, that's a lame thing. Leo's a very specific sort of, like, he dates this five, six-year range, which is weird. It's weird how often it's happened. I'm yeah. glad we're dragging it as a culture. I think, like, the thing I've noticed time. With, with Gen Z is that they, I feel like millennials still romanticize, like, the Lolita-ness of culture, whereas I feel like Gen Z hates it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked about we this, too. We talked yeah. about this last week. Like, the grooming mm-hmm. conversation and sort of also, you know, the misconstruing of grooming as well. But, like, I think that there's a an anti-Lolita-ness to Gen Z. And so they drag these people and I feel like we've seen that happen again with Jake Gyllenhaal specifically because of all too well, <clears throat> because of all too well and everything else. Like, I think people um, just really love to not support that, which I think is very healthy and amazing.
0: It is healthy and amazing. And I'm glad that people are <laughs> fucking like waking up to the fact that there is something creepy about a guy who just continuously, you know, in his 40s and 50s seeks out extremely young women. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, it does raise the question like, why do we celebrate? And I'm not saying that this is wrong, yeah. but, like, why do we celebrate sugar babies for doing the same thing? Right. You know? And I think, right. for me, it's more about the openness of... It's it's a, it's, it's a couple of things. It's about the openness of the yeah. transactional nature of it, and it's yeah. also about the fact that the women are really, you know, taking ownership of their sexuality yeah. and taking advantage of the men. Like, we still... We don't celebrate the there's men. A huge,
2: there's a huge yeah. difference because I feel like when... Um, When we talk about, like, Jake and Taylor, for example, there is, like, a power dynamic that's happening. They're in the same industry. Um, They're both in entertainment. He's, you know, at that time, much more established. He's older. There's, like, a little bit of a power thing where she's, like, still, like, 20 and going through it. Same, Especially Leo, obviously, a much stronger power, power dynamic where he's, like... Dating much younger actresses and models who are just at the start of their career and like much lesser known than someone like Taylor and in the Jake situation, but like, or it's a different power dynamic where with sugar babies, like it is a job, like they are literally doing it for profit, and that is their. They are only there for like you said, the transactional purpose of it. It's not like Camille. I don't know, Camila Marone. Is she making money off of Leo? Probably in an indirectly. Yeah, right. Like she's not, you know, like what happens to her after they break up? There's a much more emotional level of the relationship, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's not like she's. I mean, maybe she will just like. I don't know what her future will look like if she, if they do break up. But like, I think with sugar babies, the idea is that when it ends, it ends, and you ideally move on.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's often, you know, as we were talking about, a lot of blurrier lines there. Yeah, but I mean, I do think that Gen Z has a much more sophisticated and better understanding of power dynamics and relationships right. than um, you know our generation did, and right. I and that's what I really appreciate about TikTok in particular—that we're calling out predatory men, um, you know, while also celebrating the fact that young women are sort of taking ownership of their own sexuality and you know pursuing you know, these relationships, like, autonomously. Yeah. Um, I I, I think that's uh, an advancement in our culture that I appreciate.
1: Right. No, I don't think you understand. I'm
0: obsessed. So I'm obsessed with um, this guy named Simon Hennessines, who has this ongoing series about a French exchange student with terrible English named Remy. Have you seen any of these videos? I have not. Oh, my God, they're
1: amazing. I am quick introduce. Thanks. Uh, what's up? I, I name named Rémy. I am France. You have shock,
2: You have not shock. with my pronouns.
0: It's this Irish guy with a mullet. He clearly is a French speaker. You can tell that he speaks it kind of well, or at least like he's been around a lot of French speakers because of how well he gets the accents and like the English errors that he, the grammatical errors that he makes. And... Yeah. He, it's the, i mean he comes out with these sketches and there and there's this whole narrative that super fans like myself have constructed in the comments that he's kind of feeding into as as he keeps making these videos which at first he started nagging this girl in his class um this dumb girl named Linda
2: okay linda you are talk and in french we have saying
1: qui court de lièvre à la fois aucun and as english it means shut up, Linda. But as yeah. he's
0: made more videos, it's progressed that he's secretly in love with Linda, but Linda is dating this other classmate <laughs> named Jason, and he's kind of semi-developed a drinking problem as a result of it.
2: Ooh, we have to play game Never Ever Have a Lover. I am to never ever have a lover in the classic team. I am for cigarettes once more. Excuse. Plus, I am to-
0: <laughs> It's It's so, so good. I cannot describe how happy it makes me. Every morning I wake up when one of these videos comes out and I'm like to my husband, new Remy dropped. And he's like, I know he doesn't think it's funny. I don't understand how he doesn't think it's funny, but <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. And cause you had like, you had a, a condescending French exchange student in your college classes, right?
2: Uh, n- no. Oh,
0: I did. <laughs> I did. It was kind of complicated. I also had a, I she was really sweet and I also had a big crush yeah. on her, but like She was she was was a little condescending and like it it was it was exactly like this. And um, I just love how TikTok has become a platform where we can bully like we can bully like the British and the French and the Italian, you know, where we can bully other white people from other countries. (laughs) Basically, Um, I'm really enjoying them Yeah. Is that appropriate (laughs) to say? Am I going to get canceled for that? Like being pro bullying? No, because
2: we're about to bully um, some Australian and British boys. Yes, I don't I know love if we're going to bully them. But, like, I, I, I think it's that. funny. Yeah. So, are you familiar with both One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer, or just yes. One Direction? Uh, b- uh, b- One Direction more so, but yes. Okay. So, just to kind of preface for everyone, One Direction, I mean, I think everyone knows One Direction, British boy band, Birth Dust, Harry Styles, St. Mm-hmm. Malik, and, you know, Niall, Ni- Ni- I don't know. Like, everyone has their favorites from there, but like, we all, One Direction, were the biggest boy band in the world for several years. Um, And five seconds of summer is this Australian pop punk band turned kind of like more pop Rocky, just like general alt rock band that opened for one direction during sort of the peak of one directions reign over pop music. And then went on to become pretty big themselves. And, They're still together. One Direction is no more. So if you lived through Stan Twitter circa 2012 to 2015 for both Five Seconds of Summer and One Direction because there's a lot of crossover between those two fandoms, you definitely deserve a veteran's discount because that shit was crazy. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, that era was also the basis for a lot of the ways Stan Internet functions today. You know, One Direction specifically kind of becoming as big as they were built on how popular they were online. Like, they didn't they were not, they did not audition as a band for X Factor. They did not win X Factor. But, like, they became bigger and they got signed because of how big their fandom was on Twitter, because they're cute boys. And Five Sauce also grew so much because of how big their fandom was. So even though that One Direction is no longer a band, they broke up a few years ago, and I'm still recovering from it. And Five Sauce has waned in their mega popularity. You know, they're they're still, like, doing pretty well. They still chart. They still have... I still like their music, but, you know, it's like not they're like older, they're more mature now. And they also just like are not the the biggest band in the world. Their stands are still very active and they're still commiserating on TikTok where they kind of talk about their experiences at shows, talk about their experiences with each other. And most importantly for this segment today, they talk about their experiences with the band So depending on how old you were when these bands were at their peak, it can be easy to forget that these were nine very horny teenage boys. (laughs) Very young, very, very famous, very cute. But at the end of the day, these were two groups full of very young, hot, and very famous men who spent most of their year on the road. They would stay in hotels full of also very young, hot girls who would just wait around the hotel for them. So there's been a lot of TikToks recently that I have been obsessed with. And because I missed this portion of Stan Twitter, because this was me beginning to write more on just the bands generally, I missed this sort of like niche element of the stand But there are a lot of the girls who are sharing their kind of quote-unquote groupy tales of sleeping with One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer back in the day. And so there was one... Five Sauce fan, Five Seconds of Summer goes by Five Sauce a lot of the time, named Chelsea, who posted a selfie video set to Mona Leo's Beating Down Your Block with the overlay text reading, think you can hurt me, I lost my V to my fave band member, and she used the hashtag, hashtag Five Sauce, um, just to make it, in case you didn't know who it was. (laughs) And some of the comments say that the band was absolutely feral back in the day, and that they were basically being passed around by their fans. And others, like, don't believe that that was her experience, but then she kind of goes into detail about how there was, like, a... She gives, like, a lot of detail about this, like, hotel apartment complex that Five Sauce would stay in. A lot of other celebrities stayed there, and there'd be girls waiting around every single day, and they started to befriend them, and then eventually would, like, sleep with a lot of them.
0: Yeah, why would you not believe this?
2: Right. like it's extremely believable. (laughs) I think, you know, again, depending on how old you were, like, if you were a younger fan, like, if... Any, uh, when I was, like, eight when I loved NSYNC. And mm-hmm. you could not have told me that NSYNC had groupies when I was eight years old. Which is uh, probably the same age a lot of Five Sauce and One Direction fans were. But, like, if you're older, you know. Like, you know that that's happening. So I feel like if you were pretty young when this happened, I think it's kind of hard to grasp. Because the those stories are out there. Five Sauce has talked about this before in their Rolling Stone cover story. And it was very, very controversial because the story was them... At a, a point when they were kind of trying to break sort of like the teen dream mm-hmm. element of them and were kind of talking a lot more about just like their their escapades at the time. And the story blew up and the fans hated it. They hated the story. Um, they hated that the band talked so flippantly about sex and about having sex with fans and having, you know, like just like a lot of girls around their hotel room. They why? Hated how,
0: I mean, it's, if it's I legal think, and it's consensual, why do they care?
2: I mean, (laughs) it's ownership, right? I mean, it's the same reason why, like, people, like, you know, I feel like a lot of just teen fans of artists get really sort of, they feel a lot of ownership over the band. And so I think it's different for Five Sauce in One Direction, right? Like, with Five Sauce, there was a little bit of this element of, like, they kind of accused, they accuse them of, like, being just, I don't know, like, just too flippant with it. And I think they thought that they were sexist for, like, doing it. I don't know. I think it, there was, I think there was a control thing on both, levels that they were like concerned about but i feel like the stories that have come out seem very consensual and seem very um you know yeah. like, not problematic
0: there's a skewed power dynamic at play yeah. but at the same time they're both getting what they want and it's right. bo- and if they're of age and it's consensual yeah. then like what it, what's the big deal like why are people offended by the fact that yeah. men like these very young men who have the opportunity to have a lot of sex with a lot of women are taking advantage of that opportunity
2: yeah and, you know, it's just, it's fandom sort of, I think it's sometimes hard for teen fans to understand that their favorite artists do have sex with people. they people. people. who that may not, you know, we're seeing this a lot with, like, I mean, I, we're not getting into it today, but, like, Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde or, like, other, and <laughs> so it that's, that's a whole week. other conversation. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's like, you, you see this with, like, different, co- you know, the one direction thing is very specific. I think there's a lot of people who have their own theories about one direction, about Harry, but you know, we're, I, I feel like teen fans find it really hard. I, again, like in my experience of being a Stan, like I, I did not like Britney Spears for a couple of years because she was dating Justin Timberlake. Again, I was eight, but like it broke my heart. Like I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. Like it honestly hurt me that he was with a Britney who was not me. So yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk with today with Larissa Paul, who is a writer. She writes she has a column for The Fader. She writes for Rolling Stone a lot. She also was a teen at the time that One Direction Five Sauce Twitter was just red hot and blazing. And so she can speak to a lot of these experiences of fans talking about this and also the perspective that's coming in today from a lot of fans commiserating over their shared experiences of waiting in the wings for these boys. So obviously we invited you on because you cover pop music and you cover fandom, but I know that you also have a history of being a part of the One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer fandoms. So I was wondering if you can briefly give us a history of your experience being a, a fangirl with these two groups and also engaging with the social media side of fandom.
1: Yeah, my war stories. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I made a One Direction fan account when I was thirteen, back in twenty twelve, um, and I like kind of just spent all of my time doing that. I would get home from school; would be like the first thing I did when I got home. Um, I made like all of my best friends on like pop Twitter, One Direction Twitter, um, and yeah, so we would just kind of get on there, and it was like it started as like you know we're posting about what the boys are up to and what, you know, late night show they're going to be on or the album releases or whatever. But then it would be like all of these like down periods in between like tours or albums. And you just were kind of left to your own devices because after the first few months of One Direction getting famous, they stopped talking to us really, which I don't blame them. It was a very, I wouldn't want to talk to us either, especially with like the whole (laughs) shipping thing between the boys. It was just very uncomfortable. Um, And it, it was kind of too much for them to, to control, I guess. And so we were just kind of left to our own devices. And mm-hmm. that kind of turned into these, like, just kind of funnier moments and conversations and um, people leaking things and hacking into things. And then, like, the boys would come online and we'd pretend like we didn't see it and, like, kind of quickly shift the conversation, uh, which was really fun. And then kind of towards the end of that year um, was when Five Saws got. Kind of introduced to our fandom because louis had posted about one of their songs i think was gotta get out and then later was announced that they were taking them on tour and so that was just kind of like a hyper investment in that band also um mm-hmm. and it was funny because it was like so early in their careers still that it felt like you were kind of jumping in at an earlier point than you like had the chance to with one direction because i think by the time i found out about one direction I had about maybe a week and a half of them still being relatively unknown before they were, like, this global phenomenon. And so with Five Sauce, it was fun to, for them to still be, like, a little bit of a secret in a way, which is, like, obviously what you want as a 14-year-old girl when you're, you know, really finding your own music taste and wanting to be able to go to school and be like, you don't know this band. They're, like, super underground and Australian. Like, you don't, you don't know about them. And so... Um, that was a lot of fun, and, and especially with Five saws being so early, you know, we were just kind of on there on our own and like seeing all of these stories or following, you know, people who were adjacent to the bands and and kind of just getting pieces and nuggets of information like that and seeing kind of like where those threads led. And most of the time, it was like not as big of a deal as everyone liked to act like it was. Um, <laughs> I remember there was like one really funny tweet. I love going through like my Twitter archive and finding like old things i used to tweet when i was like 15 and there was like the summer five sauce were getting really big there was this girl who was like tumblr famous i think her name was acacia brindley and she was hanging out with a lot of the five sauce boys i think she first started hanging out with michael and then she was hanging out with luke and luke was always my favorite so i was like hyper protective as a young teen and there was like some rumor that they were either hanging out or they were dating or something and i tweeted and i was just like Luke's not an idiot he knows what he's doing he knows when he's being used and I was just like <laughs> does he I don't I don't think that girl did anything to him um but it was just it was really funny to just to like look back and be like the smallest things we like blew out of proportion and it seemed like yeah. the end of the world whenever anyone was near them um but yeah it's it's it was a, it was a time for sure
2: Yeah. I mean, because that's what um, EJ and I are talking about a little bit is like the idea of the sort of I think with boy bands, there is this possessiveness that sort of happened. These groups at the time, like, you know, was there sort of this idea that you had this ownership over Five Sauce, over One D, over kind of like how they, you know, especially with Five Sauce being a little bit more interactive with their fans. um, How would you kind of categorize those relationships?
1: Yeah, I definitely think with One Direction, it turned into more of like a like a defense thing where we were just like. Mm kind of set out on making sure that they were being perceived in, like, what we thought was the accurate way. I think, you know, people obviously took a lot of problems to Harry being portrayed as this, like, womanizer, like, from the jump, and it was really strange because, in hindsight, that first relationship that was really publicized was his, you know, when the time he spent with Caroline Flack, and it was, like, in Mm -hmm. hindsight, it was, like, he was being groomed, but, like, let's, you know, let's move on from that. And so with One Direction, it was very much, like, you know, let's protect them, but they also didn't have so much of their time together was kind of disconnected from, like, the public. Obviously, like, when they did interviews, it wasn't, like, they didn't do a lot of interviews, one. And when they did, they weren't, like, super in-depth. No one was, like, really actually bothering to look at what was happening within Mm -hmm. One Direction, whether that's, like, their inner circle, their fandom, anything like that. That's something that I think the fans more so dug into more than anything. And that's how it kind of ended up leaking into, like, this more mainstream news reporting of being like, oh, like this is happening with One Direction fans and this is what One Direction fans are like frenzied about this week. And it was never like anyone actually looking into that kind of realm of them. But yeah, but definitely with Five Sauce, it was a lot more, um, it was a lot more possessive because we did have that like access to them. And we saw so much more of them. They were a lot more social media savvy. They posted a lot more. um, And they were also just, everywhere and it was so like early for them one direction couldn't go anywhere if they wanted to it was not possible them trying to be sneaky about things at a certain point just became unrealistic and so with five sauce they were still so early in their fame and like kind of really soaking in that that everything was everywhere and they were dealing with so many like influencers before influencers were called influencers And like kind of running in those YouTuber circles and these Tumblr famous circles and just like these relatively well-known on the internet people that it was kind of inevitable for all of that to get back to their fans. Um, But yeah, it was very much, from my perspective at least, um, being a Wonder Direction fan and a Five Sauce fan, I think the actual hardcore 100% in with Five Sauce fans took it a lot more seriously. And I say that because I still see that now. Mm -hmm. um because i i have like a whole group chat of like some of my best friends and we we became really close because of five sauce and some of them are still in that that fandom and so then i like kind of get the glimpse it from seeing what they're tweeting about and like what's kind of going on in their timelines and they're still really really intense and i think even like living in new york it's so funny because you get to like kind of see these like the way that stan culture kind of Manifest in real life. And, you know, it's like the girls showing up to the hotels still um, mm-hmm. and, like, kind of waiting out there for hours and just knowing, you know, when the flights are getting in and what hotels they're staying at. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, they stay at these three different hotels normally, but, like, sometimes they stay at these other ones. And I know there's this one they stay at um, in the city that has, like, a, a coffee shop right next door to it. Um, and they've, like, seen Ashen go in there a few times and order coffee. So, like, when they go to wait at the hotel, they'll go in there and buy them coffee and then wait outside the hotel to give them the coffee. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that just seems that just seems weird. But, like, no part of their brain is, like, telling them this is kind of an odd thing to do. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's really funny just to kind of see how even, like, literally like a decade into both of these bands' careers, like, there are still girls who are very much protective, very territorial in a way over these bands that are, like, so... Massively famous, but I think five sauce is still famous in a way where people don't they're not going to get mobbed walking down the street Yeah, I think they're all kind of past that point, but five sauce never really had a moment where they were like being mobbed anywhere Yeah,
0: so we were specifically talking about these videos where um, you know the fans talk about having waited to hook up with the band members, but also some of them successfully did and like when these stories were first shared within these fandoms like what were the reactions back in the day
1: i remember it being like half outrage and half like really funny depending on what side of stan twitter you were on (laughs) and i always opted for funny stan twitter stressed out stan twitter was never for me it just seemed like logging on twitter was a job for them and i was just on there to crack jokes and it was just the funniest thing and i remember there being this one audio it had to have been from either early 2012 or like or late 2012, early 2013. And it was supposedly Zayn. It was like this leaked phone call of him talking to these girls, um, telling them like how to come into the hotel. And it was like he was like, Oh, there's fans outside, like don't you don't want to look like a fan, so like don't engage with them, just come straight inside and tell the people your name is Christabel Riley. And that was like their I think designer or, like their stylist's name or something like that. And it was like, just get on the elevator, tell them your name is Christabel Riley. Um, And also Harry is saying, like, you guys need to hurry up. Like, you need to be quicker. And then apparently one of the girls was just like, if Harry wants booty, he's going to have to wait for it. And it's just, like, <laughs> hearing that as, like, a real thing that someone would say, it's just hilarious. Like, I don't know. And I feel like maybe part of it was an age thing. I was 14 at the end of 2012. There was no way in anybody's hell that I was going to end up at a hotel with Harry Styles. It was not happening. And so I think... <laughs> the fans who got a little bit more, like, outraged about it maybe have, might have been on, like, the older spectrum because they, you know, kind of this, like, that should have been me kind of moment. (laughs) And I think being younger and being like, well, that was not going to be me at any point in time unless someone wants to go to jail. So, like, that's not, you know, that's, there's nothing to be, like, jealous about necessarily. Um, And most of the time, I feel like most One Direction fans just kind of spun that into, like, fanfic tropes to write about on Tumblr or in Wattpad and then, that kind of turned into its whole, like, own thing. But yeah, I remember it being really funny up until, like, with Five Sauce, it was more, um... I don't even know the right word. Like, I remember when Five Sauce, they had their Rolling Stone cover come out in 2015, and that cover ruined my life for, like, quite a few months Um, just because I was 17 at that point. I've been listening to this band for, you know, two years now, almost three years... And like mm-hmm. those are my boys. Like obviously, like, I feel protective of them. I love their music. I love the. I love them, and it kind of was this whole thing of being excited for them. And then once you actually started reading the interview, it's like, what's happening here? Why are we, why are we doing this? Why are we saying these things? And there was this yeah. one part, particularly with Luke, and I was a Luke girl, and so this was traumatizing for me. Um, and he was just like, you know, when you put four guys in a band, and you know they have just predominantly female fan base. Like, of course, they're going to be having a lot of sex. And I was like, you're doing what? Like, what <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? And then, you know, the, the writer kind of was like, like sex with like multiple girls in one night. And Luke goes, I mean, I don't want to say, but like it's a possibility. And then they were like multiple girls at one time. And Luke goes, the possibilities are endless. And I remember I had this 5 slots bracelet I wore every single day. Since I saw them in concert, like four or five months before that, and I like hmm. read that interview, and I like ripped the bracelet off my arm, I threw it in a drawer, slammed the drawer closed. Like very seventeen-year-old melodrama. There was no need to do all of that. Um, and then Hayat said, "I'm just like, that, yeah, okay. Like it was not, it was not that crazy, and they were also teenagers. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I was acting like it was. I think Luke was probably like nineteen at the time." And so it was. Mm-hmm. It was definitely. It's funny to like look back on, but like in the moment, it was just. It was like, you didn't want to picture them being those types of artists, or yeah. people who kind of take advantage of the fact that their fan base is predominantly female girls. Because in that same interview, there was a quote where Ashton is just like, "We don't just want our fans to be girls," and so right. it was like this whole thing of like, well. You don't want your fans to be all girls, but you're gonna capitalize on the fact that, that they are um, because it gives you access. And it, it was just this whole thing. And, you know, especially with like all of these videos coming out of people being like, yeah, I, I slept with a, a boy band member, I slept with this band member. And like everyone just automatically knowing that it, it could like very plausibly have something to do with Five Sauce is just like yeah. so funny. <laughs> Cause like, even like the comments on a lot of those TikToks are just like, they're like this band is like really ran through and it's just like (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like that's that's the, the the legend of it all but like it's funny now i think
2: especially since One Direction is no longer a band, you know, they're all doing their own thing. They're all solo. Um, and Five Things of Summer, you know, they've like also done some solo stuff and, you know, they kind of waned in popularity from that sort of peak moment for them. And why do you think it's now that especially the, the fans are sort of like coming back and like, re- you know, remembering these moments and also sharing these moments and also of the response to it, it seems like there's a mix of people who still don't believe that, um, these women's stories, and also, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, I, I remember that hotel, I remember that, like, you know... Yeah, I
1: feel like it's probably just because everyone's older. Like, everyone's mm-hmm. kind of past the... Or, like, most of the fandom, I would say, is probably past the point that Five Sauce were when most of this was going on. And so, you know, us, like, I'm 23 now, and so I'm just like, you know, I'm older than... I'm the same age that everyone in One Direction was when a band broke up. And so it's just like... yeah okay, now I can kind of, with a, a, a more adult perspective, kind of look back and be like, okay, well, that's probably, like, the mindset that they were in at that time. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just that everyone's kind of grown up, and especially with Five Sauce, like, Luke and Michael are engaged fully to actual human beings, and, you know, Callum has a girlfriend, and Ashton has a girlfriend, and so it's like there's kind of no harm in it anymore. Um, and I mm. think, you know, the thing that got people more riled up most of the time wasn't necessarily like the rumors of them sleeping with people. It was the rumors of them dating people. Like that was the, the worst thing. Like, I don't want to, you know, you can sleep with whoever you want. I just don't want to hear that you have a girlfriend like that. Cause then that, you know, sounds like, well, now I'm, now I don't have access. Um, and yeah. so I feel like just because of the fact that everything's kind of more, they're all just kind of domesticated now. They're not, you know, for the streets anymore. Like, it's just, it's just fun to, <laughs> to be able to like look back. And I think, you know, there's, a lot of people who are still going to be skeptical. And I think that's just because so many, it's so easy to make up and it's so easy Mm -hmm. to get people to believe you, especially with Five Sauce. If people know like what they were like in like the early 2010s or whatever, like it's not that far fetched to, to just be able to say like this happened and like, you know, it's not like you're going to be sitting here posting the proof of it all these years later or anything like that. And you know, going through the lengths to do that. And so, you know, I've seen some comments with people being like, you know, respect their privacy. Why would you say this? And it's just like, well, they were there too. It's not like, you know, this was something that happened to them. This is something that they participated in. And so it's just as much their story to tell as it is any of the other guys. And they're not going to be the ones to tell it. So, you know, might as well get what you can get from whoever. Yeah. Um, and I just think TikTok is such like a funny place to do that. Because you hear so many stories, and it's—I I love the ones where it's not being hyper specific about anything, and mm-hmm. everyone still just kind of gets it, um, because it's going to find its way to the people who know, and so like the girls who get it get it, and the girls who don't don't. Like it's very—if you were there, you know, you get it. And I think it's just—I think it's just—I I think it's so funny. I think yeah. it's so funny, and I think it's also kind of one of those things where no one's being harmed by them telling these stories. It's not like, you know, there were a lot of situations last year with a couple of different artists and actors and just things where, you know, people were making like burner accounts and anonymous accounts to, you know, report that they were a fan of someone and then they got sexually assaulted or like it was something so much more grave and serious. I feel like in light of that, you know, I'm I'm glad you, you know, got to got to go to the hotel and, and do what you did and that was like your, your story and your fun and now you have a best run out of it. I think that's great because it could have ended in such a worse way and so Mm -hmm. i just feel like you know in all of that like it's just fun to hear people's stories and kind of reminiscing about things like that um and yeah i mean it's still it's still going on with like you know whatever artists however many artists and so you know in a few years whatever platform we're on at that point we'll start hearing the stories on there and it'll still be you know because what are they going to do be mad at you like okay (laughs) like all right so some people are mad (laughs)
2: So now it's time for, I mean, we talked about a lot of himbos today, <laughs> but, <laughs> and I no fa- more favorite himbos than Five Souths in One Direction, but I do have this himbo who I am, I guess, in love with <laughs> now that I've seen this video. <laughs> so <laughs> TikTok is a really great space for porn that is not quite porn, but definitely makes you go, how is this allowed? So today I'd like to s- celebrate a supremely erotic video featuring a guy whose name I think is Ed because the caption just says ed part 2 and it's one of two videos of ed doing this um that showing off his tongue skills with a can of ready whip and so his friend robert who is the tiktok user has now posted these videos of ed basically just like post like putting the nozzle of whipped cream to his mouth and then very very quickly lapping up the contents it is a skill that every himbo should have and for that we celebrate this guy i think whose name is ed
0: It's, I can't stress enough, like, how long he's doing this for, too, like, without taking a breath. Like, can we time it? Yeah. Like, let's, let's start the video. Like, he has so much stamina. Uh, okay.
2: Okay, I'm timing. So that was 11 seconds.
0: From How long did you get? I got 11 seconds. How long did you get? Yeah. 11. 11 seconds. That's a, a long time doing that without taking a breath.
2: Yeah. And good for him. Good for him. We, we celebrate you, Ed.
0: We celebrate his uh, partner, <laughs> mostly. Like, whoever he's dating. I know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's who, uh,
2: you know, really rapes the benefits. And we here. celebrate Robert for, for filming it twice now.
0: Just good vibes all around today.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I just want to know how the conversation came up that that Ed like either wanted this filmed or Robert was like, "We need to capture this and put it on TikTok." Like, I feel like I want to, I want like a behind the music of like this video.
0: Oh my god, that would be amazing. (laughs) And then they, yeah, and then there's like a fight. Like yeah. it, like there's a drug-fueled fight like there is with everybody <laughs> behind the music at like the climax. And then, and then they get together and like they've both gained a little weight and they're like a little grizzled and they give each other a big hug in the studio. That's beautiful. And everybody cries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop This Week in TikTok brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network written and hosted by me, EJ Dixon and Britney Spanos. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Shelsey, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Dan Stein and original music composed by Daniel Mertzloft. See you next week.